Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on episode 70, we discuss how Fox has screwed up the World Cup before a ball is kicked, our first impressions of ESPN+, what percentage of TV soccer viewing in the US goes to Major League Soccer, big news for Scottish Premiership fans, as well as some eye-opening TV viewing numbers. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, aka The Gaffer, and I'm joined today by Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, uh, Chris. Well, for me, <laughs> I, to be honest with you, Kartik, I, I did not sleep that much l- last night. Um, the news broke yesterday on Wednesday about uh, the commentators for the World Cup uh, by Fox. And uh, throughout the night, I was just thinking in terms of, I mean, a whole bunch of different angles as far as what they could have done, I mean, and kind of who they missed out on. And that was going through my head and also kind of to me, kind of what a disservice this is really to soccer fans, uh, to, to the core soccer fan base in the United States. So rather than go into what we've been watching right away, let's, let's, let's kick off with um, the news from Fox and let's talk about that. So the news is, is that uh, we've got, it's that uh, the lineups have been announced for the commentators for the World Cup. So, so let's start off there with the news first, and that is that um, we're going to have commentary teams. So the first commentary team, which is going to be the lead team, is going to be John Strong and Stuart Holden. Uh, they'll be in Russia uh, commentating for the World Cup there for Fox. Uh, the second team, also in Russia, will be JP Della Camera and Tony Miola. Uh, they'll be working together in Russia, calling the opening game, as well as other select games. Then Fox has decided to go ahead and for the other teams, the commentary teams, all of them are going to be based in Los Angeles and all of them are going to be calling the games off the monitor. Uh, we've got uh, Derek Ray and Ali Wagner, Glenn Davis and Kobe Jones, Jorge Perez Navarro and Mariano uh, Trujillo. And then last but not least, uh, Mark Followell and Warren Barton. Now, Kartik, when I heard this news, I, there's a few different levels to look at it uh, on this one. So when I, when I heard the news, the first thing I thought about was, okay, let's, let's, let's think about these commentators in general. So obviously, Fox, with the U.S. men's national team crashing out of the World Cup qualifying, uh, Fox has gone the path of making cuts, make, making drastic cutbacks. So, But before we go into kind of Los Angeles versus Russia, 
I mean, that's what they've done. So I know one of my sources had revealed that they were in discussions last year with um, a couple of the top commentators from around the world uh, to bring them in. But with the U.S. crashing out of the World Cup, I, I guess it's understandable that uh, the are going to try to cut corners and just save money and have mostly a very familiar Fox Sports crew and, and use the current crew that they have, uh, with the exception of, of a Derek Craig, for example, to bring in spe- a special for this, as well as uh, maybe Ali Wagner. She does some women's games now and again. But for me, if you look at, look at the lineup, I mean, John Strong and Stuart Holden, to me, are, um, in terms of the U.S., uh, commentators, um, two of the best. I mean, John Strong is definitely, to me, I, I prefer John Strong over Arlo White. Uh, Stuart Holden is getting better and better. And uh, as we've seen in the Champions League and, and other games, he, he's been strong. Uh, JP Telecamera has been always a uh, kind of a veteran uh, in a good way, uh, always a, a professional and, and has been good. Tony Miola, I'm not so hard on in terms of his co-commentating. Um, I, I think Fox could have done better there, but uh, it is what it is. Derek Ray, Ali Wagner, I'm really happy about uh, the partnership there. Ali Wagner's uh, been very promising. And Derek Ray, we know as, as a, a true professional, has been around a long time. Glenn Davis and Kobe Jones. Glenn Davis is, is okay. Uh, you're not going to get anything special from him. It's pretty cut and dry. Kobe has been... Uh, hit and miss. We've had some games. The, the last two years of this podcast, uh, we've been talking about these commentators in great detail. And Kobe's one of the ones that uh, some games is good, other games is not so good. Uh, so kind of a, a weak spot there. And then you got uh, Jorge Perez Navarro, which to me has been a train wreck for uh, Fox on the Mexican broadcast. Um, he means well. He's got a fantastic goal call. But English is not his first language. And, and he's all over the place. Uh, Mariana uh, Trujillo. Um, tries to help as best as he can. But again, English is not his first language either, so it's a very broken English uh, commentating when you have him on board. Mark Followell, I think Kartik, I think uh, you like him. Personally, I, he sounds too much like a baseball commentator. Uh, not so hard on. And Warren Barton, actually Warren, I've been probably one of the biggest critics of Warren in, uh, in many years, but uh, he's getting better. Uh, but still, is this the best that Fox can do? So, so. Kartik, there's my, my, my spiel as far as the, the commentators. What are your thoughts in terms of the talent itself? Yeah, I, um, I think that there is a lot of good in this commentary team, but I personally, let me register a complaint here to Fox that uh, Brian Dunseth, that they're going to be promoting American voices and American commentators. Brian Dunseth not being on this commentary team in some regard really bothers me. I think he's top three, top five American voices uh, on soccer. Uh, and obviously, uh, a lot of people are familiar with him through his work on Sirius, maybe more familiar through Sirius than through Fox because he hasn't gotten uh, the reps, if you will, the opportunities. And I'm, I'm very disappointed. He's not part of this team and Fox has used him. Uh, it's kind of the utility co-commentator or even in the studio at times when they needed, need, needed him. So uh, that's a disappointment for me. Uh, I, I love the Derek Ray, Ali Wagner pairing. I just don't like the fact that they're going to be in Los Angeles. Um, and think that that's uh taking something away from obviously their commentary uh, follow and Barton might be a, a, an okay team. Uh, the, um, the Davis uh, Kobe Jones team, uh, I mean, Glenn Davis is going to have to step up and carry Kobe Jones. Glenn Davis has called world cups before he's been um, off of monitors. He was uh, for ESPN in 2006. I think he was the fourth or fifth team uh, working with Chet messing and having to work under these uh, similar circumstances. Uh, the top team, strong and holding, no, no complaints there, no problems there. 
glad they're going to be at the at the venues. Uh, Della Camera and Miola. I think there's a debate going on among people I talk to. Miola seems to have just been kind of shoehorned as a replacement for for Brad Friedel, former U.S. goalkeeper, you know, kind of uh, similar uh, style. But I'm not sure Miola is as far along as an analyst as Friedel was. So um, we'll see. But obviously, JP is one of the best in the business from the American perspective. So the commentary teams themselves, Chris, I, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed by the admission of Dunsip. I'm really kind of angry about the admission of Dunsip. Um, and I, I would have liked to have seen maybe uh, uh, even if you're going to uh, go with this kind of American voice. I know she's Canadian, but maybe bring Rachel Benetti in on that fifth or sixth team, since that's only going to be a few games and that's going to be off of monitors and she has a, a different kind of style. Um, but uh, I don't have that many complaints, but then the way they're covering the World Cup, which I know we're going to get to in a minute, that is where we have to have this point of discussion. Yeah, yeah. And that's been most of the uh, complaints from, from us and, and also across social media, uh, which erupted yesterday after the news was uh, broke. But before we go there, I do want to mention that um, two of the arguably the, the strongest uh, team, uh, basically commentator and co-commentator, uh, based in the US and not on this list. And those two people are actually employed by Fox Sports. The first person is a co-commentator. A lot, a lot of people uh, love him. A lot of people hate him, but Eric Winalda. And Eric Winalda is not included at all with uh, Fox's uh, World Cup coverage. Uh, he's not as a co-commentator. He's not as a studio analyst. He's not as a, uh, a reporter on the sideline. Nothing. And that is a travesty. And, and that, to me, really says that it's all political. Because you've got Winalda, who's under contract with Fox Sports, uh, is one of the best people at reading a game, at, at really kind of looking at a game and from a, from a manager's point of view, from a coach's point of view, being able to communicate what's happening on the pitch. And he's been at times frustrating, but oftentimes uh, illuminating when he's been on, on, on his game. And for him not to be included, that's, that's uh, I mean, really, to me, this says to me that Fox Sports is playing the political game. They don't want to upset Major League Soccer or U.S. Soccer Federation. And by not including him because he ran against, you mean, against the, um, the, um, the establishment, that's a cry in shame. The second thing, Kartik, is uh, Keith Costigan. Keith Costigan, to me, is one of the best commentators at Fox Sports. Now, Keith, for a lot of people, I think probably kind of think back and probably people kind of joke about him being on, say, the the, the, the Fox F Football Friday show and kind of they think of him as that Keith. That was a long time ago. That was probably, what, a couple of decades ago almost. But to me, Keith is one of the best commentators that Fox has. He's a, 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 basically a, a student. Not, he's, he's a scholar of the game. If you listen to his, his commentaries on the Bundesliga, you can see how, how good he is and how far along he's come. And to me, he's neck and neck there with John Strong. He's got a completely different style than John Strong, but Keith Costigan should be included on this list. Why they've not included him, I have no idea. Uh, maybe they were going with the try to paint, have, have an all-American type of uh, commentary and, and talent team there. But then that doesn't explain why Derek Ray's on there. So it's a really strange decision by Fox Sports. I think the Winalda thing, I can understand from a political point of view. I'm upset with that. But uh, to not have Keith Costigan on there, I think that's, that's I, I don't know what Fox is thinking. And that's the thing about, about Fox. This is such a Fox decision. This, this, this is Fox. I mean, this is something that um, 
I was surprised. A lot of people on social media were not surprised. I was surprised by this because I just thought that they would have at least tried to raise the bar a little bit, maybe bring in a couple of people, uh, some new names, some surprises. Um, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but uh, but there you go. Any any thoughts on the Costigan Winalda um, emission, Kartik? Yeah, I, I, we have to get more information about the Winalda situation. So I'm not. I'm going to pass judgment on that uh, at this point. I think that there are assumptions made by people who who like Winalda about things and i'm not sh- i'm not sure if they're accurate or not they might be well accurate. well let, let, uh, me, let, let me put it out there they're accurate so basically everything i've said said right there is accurate uh based on a diff- couple, few different sources so well, i don't know the other side of the story because i i mean look they, there's well we'll just we'll move on from that topic and then on um on costigan i completely agree i'm surprised i actually thought costigan even if he's not a um a commentator would have some role some sort of major role in this World Cup coverage, uh, even if it's as a studio analyst, uh, even if it's as the, the 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 person they send from each venue who's traveling every day of the World Cup. Um, mm-hmm. oh, s- I, sideline reporter. Yeah, I, I, well, this whole concept of sideline reporters, which they're bringing into this thing, is, is is unnecessary, particularly because you just don't get that kind of level of access from FIFA at these FIFA events. Right. I don't know. I don't. I can't explain the Costigan admission, especially because he's done so many things now on various soccer-related programming for Fox. He seems to be their go-to guy yeah. uh, beyond John Strong in so many ways. And, and, and we saw that this week, though, too. We saw that with the Liverpool uh, Roma game. He was right. there on the sidelines interviewing Jamie Carragher uh, post-match, doing interviews with. Um, can't remember which which one on the players. Because we were, we're going to get into this, obviously, when we go over what we've watched, what, what we're watching this week. But uh, I thought it was just a terrible decision by Fox not to send John Strong and Stu Holden to uh, Anfield and then to um, the Allianz the next day. Now, of course, we know that they're losing the Champions League rights. They go to Turner, the English language rights go to Turner, the Spanish language rights go to Univision uh, next uh, season or immediately, really, in June, July. So the commitment level isn't there. But still, I think it would have been good to get, particularly with that kind of atmosphere, that atmosphere at Anfield will be better than any atmosphere in the World Cup. Um, Get John Strong and Stu Holden the reps, if you will, again, using kind of an American sport. Uh, coach, coach speak. Get them the reps in that kind of atmosphere. Uh, in this situation, uh, they missed that opportunity. Now, and obviously, they're probably not going to send them to Rome next week or send them to the Bernabeu. So uh, that's that. Basic. The the opportunity, I understand they're at least having them call games to get ready for the World Cup, but they're calling games off a monitor again. Exactly. So, so, so those names are not the end of the world. But uh, this next thing is, I mean, almost maybe not so much that that, but it it is a it's a it's just a I don't know, a horrible mistake. Is that Fox has decided that uh, out of those teams that it's, a, it's only John Strong and Stuart Holden. JP and Tony Miola, they're going to Russia. All of the other games, the vast majority of the games are going to be called off the monitor uh, in the LA studio. So you're going to have Derek Ray, Glenn Davis, Jorge Perez Navarro, Mark Followell, um, etc. Calling those games from a very sterile atmosphere in, in the studios in Los Angeles. And to me, this is the biggest shame of, of the whole story is that um, you, mu- you lose so much. You lose so much of the... The atmosphere of what's happening at matches, and we saw that in last week's podcast. We talked about it. One of the commentators sent us in the an e- email and said about the the Barcelona Roma game is that there's no way that you can capture the atmosphere 
in an authentic way and, and, and communicate that to the listeners by calling the game off the monitor. If you're at the, at the stadium, you're seeing what's happening. Sometimes it's off camera. Things are happening. You're capturing the emotion. And for Fox to go ahead and decide that most of the games are going to be called off the monitor, which is the same TV screens, the same images that we're seeing, they're calling. It's, 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 it's worse than a travesty. It's just an embarrassment, Kartik. Yeah, and again, I mean, this is this is a thing. Ali Wagner, I think you have a, a, a quote from her or, or sentiments from her in the, the World Soccer Talk piece, where she uh, she said it's challenging. It's it is more difficult. Uh, she calls games every week for for lifetime NWSL games at the at the site of the match. Uh, and Derek Ray is accustomed. Now, Derek Ray has actually some familiarity with calling off monitors from the days when ESPN uh, did most of their soccer coverage off monitors from Bristol. But um, more recently, we've seen him uh, at, at the sites uh, of matches, be it Bundesliga matches or uh, games for NBC just this past uh, weekend, right, with, with Kyle Martino. That was two weekends ago, uh, doing a match with Kyle Martino, a, a Liverpool match at Anfield. So I, I just... Is such an underutilization of talent. I mean, I was excited when I saw the Ray Wagner pairing, and then you read on another paragraph, you realize, oh well. <laughs> I mean, it, they have to fox it right because you're thinking, okay, they did something really right with the, that that commentary combination, and you're realizing, oh well, they're going to be in Los Angeles. Yeah, I, there's just no excuse for this because I think if you look back at um, ESPN's most recent World Cups, now in 2006. They did have games called off monitors from Bristol, uh, and we saw Derek Ray actually call a few games off monitor from Bristol in the 2016 Euros. Um, and, and in some cases, one case it was a, it was one or two cases it was because of the uh, issues going on in France, the labor issues at the time of the Euro 2016 tournament. So they had that contingency in place, and he had, uh, he and Kate McGrath had to call one or two matches, as I remember correctly. Um, but if you look at the 2010 and 2014 World Cups, Chris, there were very few matches called off monitors uh, by uh, ESPN talent, and those that were, I think, were called from the International Broadcast Center. So right. you actually had the talent in Russia, so that way they can contribute to other aspects of the coverage. Now, Russia is a big country. Right. Or much like Brazil. And sometimes it wasn't cost effective or just wasn't practical, given the quick turnaround of schedules in a tournament to send all of the ESPN talent to each venue. I get that. That could Fox has the same uh, sort of uh, gripe about uh, Russia, which, by the way, they will not have about Qatar because uh, Qatar, everything will be close to one another. But um they're not even doing that. They're not even utilizing the IBC. They're not even utilizing the possibility of taking Derek Ray, Ali Wagner, Mark Falwell, Warren Barton, putting them in Moscow, letting them call games off monitors from the IBC with the world feed, et cetera. But then having them contribute to Fox's general coverage of a month long extravaganza uh, if, on site. So uh, this is almost like the white flag of surrender from Fox. Yeah, and I think that's what I said in the article too. Is that it's it's as, as if Fox has already thrown in the towel in this World Cup and said, "You mean US is not in it? Uh, we don't think it's going to get great ratings, and so let's cut back. Let's cut back our budgets as much as possible because originally maybe we overspent uh, or over budgeted. Now we have to pull it back because we don't anticipate this World Cup being that great of a hit in the TV ratings and advertising dollars side I, of things." I have to point something else out on this. Um, Maybe this is this is extraneous. Maybe it's not. 
I did find it alarming, and we've talked about this on this show before. I did find it alarming Fox, or 21st Century Fox, was packaging so many properties and selling them off to Disney, uh, which to me indicated there were greater financial problems than maybe we think within that company. Now, obviously, there's a transition with Murdoch's sons, et cetera. But um, maybe this is a, just an indication that, that Fox Sports and, and, and 21st Century Fox aren't as healthy financially internally or need to do certain things internally to stay, maintain whatever financial health they have, uh, because there are uh, bigger problems uh, around the corner. And I do understand that this, this World Cup is not going to get the kind of ratings it would have if the U.S. were in it. That having been said, I think they're just incentivizing the people who would remain, because we've seen ESPN's um, ratings for the Euro. Let's just take a combination of, of Euro ratings plus um People who watch Copa Americas in the U.S. Um, and 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 uh, Mexican football, and, and just if you put that all in a pot, you're still getting you know a decent number. You're getting numbers probably equivalent to the NBA uh, uh, to NBA Major League Baseball their playoffs, maybe not their finals, but their playoffs. So it's still a big event. But I think maybe there is a greater issue with Fox. Now they have uh, to, to fend off a bid from from Comcast for Sky. So I don't know. Maybe there, there's something internally at 21st Century Fox that is is uh, and, and they have the cover now. The U.S. not qualified. It, it seems to be with that way, Kartik, because uh, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you're a Fox, you know, you're looking at all your line items for all the the things you've, you've budgeted for in 2018 and 2019. The World Cup is going to be one of those biggest line items. And you, you mean, if you're one of the executives or the bean counters at, at Fox, you might go to that and say, OK, let's let's figure out some ways to uh, cut some costs here so we, we the books can look better uh, so that um, – whether there is any type of future buyout or if there's uh, any financial auditing that the books can look as good as possible. It just doesn't make sense, though, Kartik, because, I mean, yes, I know that the TV ratings are not going to be as good without the United States uh, in, in the World Cup. But I, I, don't think they would be, I don't think they would be that bad. I mean, I think it's one of those things that um, we've seen with the Euros. You mentioned the Euros example a minute ago. Uh, the Euros against Copa America, I think it was the Copa America Centenario, both of them were played at the same time, and we did the comparison to see who got the, the, the greater ratings, who got the most number of viewers, and it was the Euros on ESPN, yeah. uh, greater than the, the Copa America that was on U.S. soil with all these teams from I mean, Argentina, Brazil, etc., playing on, on our doorstep. And it, it just it does not make sense. That's the thing, too. I mean, that's um, with Fox is that I don't know if maybe the – for example – I don't know if it's the the actual studio set that they're building in Red Square, which I'm sure is probably costing them probably millions to build this this set. If they, I would, I would have been okay, Kartik, if they had said, you know what, we're going to have the studio set, we're going to have it in Los Angeles, we're going to have it in the the Fox Studio, and by saving that money and not having a, the actual studio set in Red Square, we'll go ahead and make sure that all of our commentators are in Russia at the stadiums calling so the game. That games. is actually what ESPN basically did for the 2011 Women's World Cup. Remember they had uh, their studio yeah. uh, in. Uh, well, did they have the studio in Germany? Well, I don't think it was in Germany. It looked like it was in Germany. Yeah, the set looked like it was in, right. in Germany. And but... they had uh, their studio hosts, which were Bob Lee and, and Rebecca Lowe, actually. 
baseball career span. Um, in Bristol, same thing with the 2012 Euros, although they fooled people with that, but they had Bob Lee, uh, 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 Alexi Wallace, Michael Ballack in Bristol. But the, the talent calling matches was in um, Germany for 2011 Women's World Cup and uh, for uh, where were they? Poland and Ukraine for 2012, uh, which is actually similar to being in Russia, right? 2012 um, uh, in terms of just ge- geography, et cetera, uh, 2012 euros. So you could, you, they could have gotten away with that. You could move Rob Stone and the studio analysts to Los Angeles and then make sure you send the uh, Derek Ray, Ali Wagner team, the Follow Miola team, the Davis Jones team. You send them to Russia. Maybe you leave one team behind and you call a few games. Oh, actually, I don't think you leave any teams behind. You then call games off monitors from the IBC as ESPN did um, the last couple World Cups. Yeah, so um, David Neal, who's the Fox Sports executive producer for the World Cup, so he's the the top boss in terms of uh, presenting this event to the United States. He says, uh, he was quoted this week, he says, really, there's no advantage if you're going to do a monitor call. It doesn't matter where you are. We've got the infrastructure here in Los Angeles, so there's really no reason not to avail ourselves of it. Now, going back a couple of years in 2016, the same David Neal said, uh, quote, we will be a larger group when we go to Russia in 2018 because the magnitude of the 64 games over 30 days requires a substantial number of people. And I understand the kind of the, the logistics of this. I, I'm Russia being such a large country, so many, so many games. But they should be doing what Telemundo is doing. Telemundo is having most of the commentators at the games uh, at the stadiums in Russia, and then they're going to have a, a small crew that's going to be in the IBC, which is the International Broadcast Center in Moscow, and they're going to have them calling the games from there off the monitor there. Now, they're in Russia. They're going to be in kind of that mindset in terms of knowing what's going on in the environment, being there, calling the games just as ESPN did in 2014. I think they had 13 games. They yeah, in, 2010, in, Brazil. in 2010, they had seven or eight games uh, in South Africa, sorry, in South Africa in 2010 uh, that were called from the IBC. And again, I mean, like I said earlier, ESPN understood that they couldn't get, Brazil was a big country. They couldn't get their teams everywhere, but they were feeling living the atmosphere of the World Cup, being at the IBC, which was, I believe, in Rio. Um in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right, Kartik. It, it does definitely feel like a top down decision. You mean somebody above uh, David Neal or above uh, Eric Shanks within Fox Sports said, okay, hey, we've got to cut corners here because we, we've already budgeted too much and we need to li- ha- have the books look good. But that's the thing, though, to me, though, Kartik, is that you're, you're going in with really what is mostly a B team of commentators and you're going in hoping for some big ratings, which I'm sure they're hoping for still. But, but soccer fans are, are more intelligent than that. Soccer fans will, you mean, feel that they've been uh, cheated. And I, I think many of them will go to Telemundo, watch the games on Telemundo, or will use VPNs and watch uh, the games from overseas or wherever. But um, it's just a really sad, sad day, I think, for Fox Sports. Um with their thinking this way, because like I said before, too, it's, it's as if they're, they're giving up saying, OK, this is not going to work. And, and to me, the World Cup is much bigger than the U.S. men's national team. When the U.S. team got knocked out, I think both you and I, Kartik, said that you, you especially said this is actually a good thing in many ways, too, because now the, at least Fox can look at the 32 teams and, and really kind of analyze them on a, on a fair basis rather than going all in on, on the, the U.S. team. And that is the downfall of Fox is that they've been all in on the U.S. team for years. That it's all been about all about that U.S. team. So when the U.S. team fails, they're like, okay, what do we do now? 
Well, they've, they've been complicit in, but in fairness, I think it's a culture that's been created by Major League Soccer um, and the U.S. Men's National Team uh, or U.S. Soccer Federation to, um, nas- to to make this sport, to try and appeal to fans on jingoism and nationalism and that that's basically the reason to watch soccer. And it's a, really a flawed strategy for MLS, a league which majority foreign now. Uh, this past weekend at Major League Soccer, 70% of the starting starters and starting 11s were not American. It's, it's becoming a very cosmopolitan, diverse, and entertaining league for that reason. But um, they, have made, they have marketed this for years. They have played on nationalism and jingoism and, tell, and trying to appeal to people saying, this is the reason you should watch. Now, Fox has been very complicit in that. But I think it's a strategy that's even been determined above Fox, a very shallow strategy, a strategy that uh, is kind of an us versus them, an exclusionary thing, um, you know, very nativist in its, in its raw appeals, even though I know people will bark back at me and, 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 and claim otherwise because there are a lot of people who are very cosmopolitan, diverse um, independent thinkers who then fall into this, this vortex of, of, uh, of USA, USA. But um, I think it's it's just the the the, the undressing uh, of a strategy that has been sinister and cynical from the top of the game in this country uh, for years, and then once the U.S. is out, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, this doesn't matter. We, we, we this sort of thing. We 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 have to almost discredit the event or just delegitimize the event because the U.S. isn't there. So. Um, Although there are reasons to critique and criticize this World Cup, which I will do as, as we get closer to it in, in both FIFA and Russia. But, um, yeah, I think that, Chris, it goes back to an overall overarching strategy that has been in place for many years, uh, I think, out of, of a certain degree of insecurity and insularity, the insecurity about the popularity of the, the Premier League in this country and the popularity of El Tri and the Mexican national team in this country. Therefore, there was this developed, this overarching uh, us versus them, uh, one nation, one team, which is a bunk. There are a lot more people who support the Mexican national team in this country than the U.S. men's national team on a regular basis. Uh, and all of these sort of, um, uh, you're either with us or against us type very American messaging, which we see through in, in global society, right? Which is why the United States has gone from one of the most admired countries in the world to one of the least admired countries. Um, it's all manifesting itself in this. And unfortunately, uh, Fox was a complicit partner in that, and they're paying the price. Now, one of the narratives on social media to ex- try to explain this uh, has been that uh, it's probably because of advertising, because of advertisers I mean, not, not pony up the money for the, for the World Cup. I don't think that's true. So as of uh, September 2017, this is according to Fox Sports, uh, I think an article, I think it was an ad age, I think it was, uh, they had already sold about 75% of their ad inventory. And this is back in September. So at this point in time, they should have already sold 100% of the ad inventory. Yes, the viewing numbers will be down. Um, so there'll be less eyeballs and, and, and they'll be making less money. But uh, yeah, it, it's... I don't know. It, I still, I would love, actually, listeners, if you do have any theories why they're doing this, it would be great to hear because uh, it just doesn't make sense. Now, Kartik, are there any positives out of this announcement this week? Are there any names uh, among the studio analyst or the studio host or the reporters uh, that you think is some good news to come out of this, uh, this Fox Sports World Cup? Yeah. Okay. So um, obviously I'm, I'm pleased about Ali Wagner and Derek Ray. I think that that would be a great team if they were sent to Russia. I, they'll still be 
and probably as good as you can get on a, off a monitor. So I, I'm pleased by that. Uh, I, I've already registered. I'm not happy about Dunsack. I tend to agree with you on Winalda. I just want to withhold judgment on the reasoning up for it. And uh, certainly disappointed about Costigan as well. And Rachel Panetta, I, I mentioned that earlier. I thought she should, I thought she would have a role. Um, so that that's, that's interesting. The, the positives, I guess, are uh, the return of Ian Wright. I know he's very polarizing. I happen to like him. Um, personal preference, just call it that. And, and, and so I like that. I'm glad Kelly Smith is going to be part of the World Cup uh, team. She's, she's got some great perspectives, having been a great English uh, women's footballer, uh, also having spent most of her playing career in the United States. So I think uh, she'll, she'll be pretty good. Uh, I, I liked her uh, I liked her analysis when they brought her in on things in the past. So uh, I think that's good. Uh, Goose Heating being back is very, very good. And he knows Russia as well as anyone that they could potentially get. So that, that, that I like. Um, look, I... I mean, I, I say this every Champions League week. I was going to say it in our review of game, matches, and I. Uh, uh, so let's just do it now because it applies to the World Cup. I, I, I know Rob Stone is the big star of much of what Fox Sports does, and that includes college football and college basketball. Uh, and he is a soccer guy, and we appreciate his his uh, two more than two decades of advocacy for for the sport and work in ESPN. ESPN. I just think Kate Abdo gets more out of. Um, the studio team, the analysts that are there. She gets more out of Lala. She gets more out of Ian Joy. She gets more out of Barton. And Barton's obviously going to be in LA. But um, so I would take Rob Stone, but I would kind of switch the. I would have Abdo as the primary person, and then Stone as as the second person. That that would be my opinion. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess there are some positives, but um, by and large, it's it's um, it's it's a pretty. Um, Disappointing announcement, and this might also explain, Chris, um, why it took so long for Fox to make this announcement. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting um, week after week. It seems now month after month. Uh, and love to hear the listeners' theories. I, my theory is that there are major financial constraints within News Corp, or, or not News Corp anymore, um, 21st century Fox that are going to create, that are creating this. And we've got cover stories as to why it's happening. But um, I, I mean, the, the Disney asset sale was a red flag for me. I would have thought that's crazy that, um, that Fox was offloading all those uh, and really some important properties. Now we're seeing that they weren't able to give a sufficient offer for Sky to take up, take over the rest of Sky. That might have had some regulatory implications too, but still uh, looks like uh, Comcast might get that. So, um, which also then puts into question the larger asset swap. I think there's some with with Disney. I think there's some issues at Fox. Yeah, looking at the lineup, so so some of the names, just for some of the listeners um, that, that haven't heard the news, so some of the studio analysts, well, all of the studio analysts, uh, Gus Hiddink, uh, who's who's decent, uh, Hernan Crespo, I think that'll be an interesting that'll one. That'll be a good one. Yeah, to one. see how, I'm not sure how he is, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. Alexi Lalas, uh, uh, Lothar Mateus, uh, Moises Munoz, uh, who's, who's actually really good, I think. Uh, Kelly Smith's good, Ian Wright, um, for me, Ian Wright, it depends which Ian Wright turns up. Sometimes he's just seems disinterested. Other times he's really focused and 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 on the ball. Um, but but to me, I, I'm not going to go down the whole list. But the one the one positive thing is that Ian Joy is included, and I think he's yeah. one of the strongest analysts that Fox has, and he's in the role as a studio host. So it'll be interesting to see if he's there in which role specifically. Uh, is that the best use of him? 
I don't think so. I mean, really, I mean, we've seen for the Champions League that this last few weeks is in terms of his uh, analysis, you mean, in the studio as as one of the analysts kind of debating and, and calling Alexi Lalas out and saying, hey, you mean, about, about James Rodriguez and saying, okay, this is why he deserves more praise rather than just kind of the stereotypical, I mean, uh, the, the same old things you hear on the social media or anywhere else you read. Um I, what do you think, Kartik? Do you think he's got a? I mean, he's, he's such a multi-versatile. You can put him in a bunch of different areas. Yeah, I like him in both roles. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's kind of a tough one, um, but probably better as a studio analyst uh, next to a, a, a Kate Abdo or a Rob Stone or, or, or whomever else. So, uh, yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. I think the the, the studio the studio team has some uh, definite strengths in, in terms of the analysts they bring. Obviously, I think it could have been stronger with a with a Winalder or a Dunseth. Uh, uh, or even a cost again, uh, cost again, maybe even as a host uh, in, in some of the uh, periods where uh, you, you, you cover. So um, that's uh, and then you shift the enjoy over to to the analyst chair. Mm-hmm. All right. So as a segue, Kartik, uh, I've got. I'm not sure if you if you caught this on the pre-match on uh, the Liverpool Roma game on Tuesday, but Keith Costigan was at Anfield and he was interviewing Jamie Carragher. And he asked Jamie Carragher a question. So let me let me go ahead and play that, and that, that'll go right into our what we've been watching this past week. Final question, Jamie. One of my colleagues back in LA, Alexi Lala, said Liverpool would be simply happy to be here in the semi-final. What do you make of those comments? He should be happy to be in the studio. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Back to you, Rob. Jamie throwing darts at you, my friend from Liverpool. How dare he? <laughs> I've been saying that for years. <laughs> So I thought that was classic because it, it actually shows how much Warren Barton's improved in terms of his uh, a little bit more relaxed, but a little bit you get more of his character, more of his attitude onto the sets for the Champions League, and, and that's been a welcome change. And Lalas really been pointed as kind of somebody that's I mean he's he's on this he's always been on this anti Premier League uh, rant for years in terms of see, thinking that the quality is uh, much well below what what people think it is. And with him critiquing Liverpool quite a lot this week. And then uh, I just thought it was a really interesting <laughs> little exchange there between Jimmy Carragher and Keith Costigan and, and Warren Barton. So, Kartik, let's, let's jump into that then. Um, from the Champions League coverage from this past week, uh, two big games, of course. What are your thoughts on uh, how it went? Yeah, I mean, I guess I've already given my critiques of this, which is that John Strong and Stu Holden are, are very good, uh, but they were calling the game off a monitor. There's a lot of value I've gotten from Holden when he's been at games, at match sites, and been able to call, uh, call action of what's going on off the ball and kind of work that into his analysis. So thankfully for the World Cup, these two will be on site. Uh, two of only, uh, one of only two teams that Fox is actually sending to Russia. Uh the um, the pregame shows, they they were pushing fantasy sports thing. I, I thought that was kind of in poor taste. I didn't really appreciate that. But yeah, well, you know, we, well, well, for those who missed who missed it, so usually on the Tuesday you have like the Grant Wall five minute yeah. segment of news. But rather than do that, they did a, a an infomercial, which is a, essentially an infomercial. They did okay. Now we're going to do a whole fantasy thing about okay the Champions League and uh, you mean place your bets and and use this uh, promo code and which, which which they should have said actually is that Fox is one of the investors in DraftKings. They, I don't think they they said that, but they're a uh, a huge investor in that company. So it's very self serving of them to do it. But to me, it's just again you got a massive match between Liverpool and Roma, and then you're going on 
uh, basically what's an a- a- advertisement. Yeah, and it's an advertising for something that's very controversial, right. uh, and is uh, uh, has been is being investigated by uh, various authorities and law enforcement authorities in, in this country. So I, I thought it was a very poor case. I'm personally, I'm I'm, a, I'm against daily fantasy. I won't get into it here, but I, I was uh, I was offended really by it. Yeah, and another thing that perhaps says something about um, that they're hurting for money, or at least, yeah. I mean, that gives that impression. So, so preempt the, the news segment. I mean, whatever you think of Grant Wall, that is a news segment. Preempt that and put in this very, uh, to me, offensive advertisement. It's just another, you, you just think Fox can't sink any lower, and you can't think yeah. like that. I know, I know. All right, so let's let's go on to other things, uh, Kartik. So, what else have, have you been watching this past week of, of interest to the? Re- yeah, uh, Gladbach and Wolfsburg was a, a match on Friday uh, that was on on FS2. Uh, that was uh, called by uh, Steve Bauer, uh, a familiar voice to to us from from NBC's Premier League coverage and obviously ESPN during the Euros in 2016. Uh, with uh, one way traffic uh, in, in that match, uh, Wolfsburg is now really in relegation trouble again like they were last season. Uh, but it was a, a, an entertaining match. Watched Kansas City and Vancouver on MLS Live uh, slash ESPN Plus. That was uh, an exciting, yeah, really, first 12 to 15 minutes of that match were fantastic. And then um, Kansas City scored, and there were uh, handbags, hand and Vancouver had two players sent off, ended up being a 6-0 game. Uh, Tim Malia, who is one of the better American goalkeepers right now, made a fantastic, what I think was a world-class saying on Jordi Macrina in the first uh, six or seven minutes. If, if you uh, haven't seen it, I, I suggest the listeners go and, and find it online and watch that. Um, West Brom uh, and Liverpool reduced uh, – Premier League scheduled this week, uh, Chris. So Arlo White, Grand Mosso were at this match. I don't think this is a match at the Hawthorns they normally would have called had it not been reduced to schedule. This, um, one, this one, though, Conti, I do want to mention that I love the ending to the game because, of course, with the fight back with West Brom scoring that late equaliser. But the way that NBC handled it, because they, I, I love the ending to the game. So the NBC had just basically let the footage continue to run yeah. uh, without, without talking over it, which they usually do anyway. But this one would seem to go on for about three to four minutes. And and uh, you saw um, Rondon getting a, a group hug from a whole bunch of uh, young young players, as well as a kiss from one of the fans. You saw just that emotion uh, coming through. This is another thing Fox doesn't do with their coverage of the Champions League. I mean, immediately uh, at the end of these matches, uh, Rob Stone starts talking. So uh, it's just, again, stylistic considerations with Fox are, are of great concern. Now, maybe that's what the American audience wants. I, I don't know. I don't know if they've tested it, if they've had surveys, They've, they've done some marketing research because NBC certainly seems to think it's the opposite what um, the audience in this country wants. So that, that's a great point, Chris. Um, just finishing up on Saturday, the, the Dortmund-Leverkusen match, Dortmund at their finest. I, I actually expected Leverkusen probably to win this match based on what's been going on recently. But um, it was very, very good. Uh, Dortmund is finally fit without, with the exception of Batishwai, who's been fantastic until he got hurt. Uh, sorry, Chelsea fans, but that's uh, uh, <laughs> at least how he's played since he got to the Bundesliga. Um, Dortmund is fully fit with that exception, and it showed in this match. Um, uh, the uh, the uh, FA Cup 
semifinal was preempted in in uh, the Miami Fort Lauderdale market for the Barbara Bush funeral, so didn't get to see that. Uh, had a soccer doubleheader. I then went to, which was our uh, the first ever match between two supporter-owned clubs in the United States, Himmershi FC versus Palm Beach United, um, and Himmershi won that match. And then Miami FC versus Miami United in what we're calling the Magic City Classico, the Miami Derby, uh, which was a really entertaining game, also a chippy game, which ended 9-9 on Saturday night. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, 9-9? Yeah, oh, 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 players on the pitch. I thought you meant the score. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It ended ninety nine. It was one one. The the, the, the okay, uh, okay. Whew, and just for those of you who don't know, Miami uh, Miami FC is managed by uh, Paul Daglish, uh, Kenny Daglish's son. So, uh, been able to catch up with him since he's been in South Florida recently. Um, uh, real quickly on Sunday, and I know you must have watched this Manchester City Swansea. Oh, Chris. No. <laughs> let, let me let me just add Kartik. This 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 one. I mean, again, I've seen thousands of games. This is probably one of the most painful matches I've ever seen. It was torturous because, I mean, City, I mean, set up, I mean, just, I mean, Swansea let them play the game and Swansea just set back, hoping to hold on for probably a draw or maybe a, a goal and a counterattack. But City, Manchester City had over 1,000 passes, uh, which was a Premier League record. Swansea had 17% possession. They had one shot on target the whole game, and that was from Alfie Mawson, the defender. This was one of the most torturous games I've watched in my life, and I had to sit, sit through the whole thing. And uh, I mean, full credit to, to Manchester City. I mean, it's, it's a dream team, but this was painful to watch. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, it was just uh, incredible. I mean, particularly, I think Bernardo Silva playing on the right side of the Manchester City attack probably touched the touched the ball five hundred times to play in the match, right? I mean, it was just you know these these and, and uh, Fabian Del playing at left back before they brought Mendy on was getting into the it was playing as of like he was a left sided attacking player um, playing so far forward. So um, and Danilo as well um, I, uh, on the right side. I thought. I, it was uh, it was painful from that regard. Watch Toluca Veracruz um, was very one sided. Toluca was very good. Now let's get to the big game of the weekend in Europe, which was Juve and Napoli. Mm-hmm. First off, uh, thankfully, BN showed this match. You, you just never know whether they're going to show matches from Italy if PSG happens to be playing, or, or there's a big Spanish match. Um, it seems like they'll always preempt matches for PSG. They want to show every PSG match live, uh, which um, there's reasons for that. Obviously, we don't need to get into it. I'm sure the listeners know. Um, this match was interesting. I mean, it did, it, it, like you, you had said last week on the podcast, Chris, that you were concerned it was going to be this very negative, dour, classic Serie A affair. Well, it was. Um, until and Allegri made no attempt to play right with Juventus until Buffon and he's showing signs of age. He's shown him lately uh, instead of catching the ball or, 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 or batting it in front of him, parried a ball wide from a shot from distance. And then the corner came and Kulabai scored. And um, what it means now is that we have an exciting run in Serie A with four matches left. Juve still, Juve's won the title five successive, six successive seasons, looking for a seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, they have um, they have a one point lead over Napoli, but they still play Inter and they still play Lazio or Roma. I can't, I think it's Roma. Uh, and there's a massive fight for fourth right now in, in Italy between Inter, Lazio. And Roma, so those those matches are necess- are cr- critical for the teams fighting for fourth. Napoli has a relatively easy running uh, by comparison, so maybe we actually have a real bona fide title race now in Europe. <laughs> which which is incredible to think of. Uh, in Kartik, is that you would think that most of the 
most of the, the the leagues in Europe would would have this, but it's Italy that that does, and and it's it's been entertaining. It's um, I missed the match. I did see the highlights, and um, I'm not sure if this is the same commentator that was on BN Sports, but the commentator that called uh, the goal by Napoli in, in the last minute. Uh, I, I've got his name, but he's a, an English commentator. Does a lot of the Serie A games, but just a great call, and he went crazy with when Napoli scored. Uh, just pure emotion. One thing I've noticed is that being sports the last couple of weeks have been shifting their schedules. So oftentimes um, they would automatically put in the like a Liga match or, or the La Liga match on. But uh, the last couple of weeks they've been putting the Serie A match- matches. Um, they've been waiting to see which which teams, which games are going to be most important. So for this weekend, for example, I think they've changed around their schedule a little bit to make sure that uh, those Serie A matches are, are profiled. So for those listeners out there who want to watch some entertaining football and to see kind of a race go down to the wire uh Serie A is it yeah and I should note that since uh the loss to Real or whatever you want to term it against Real Madrid the uh, the controversial ending uh, Michael Oliver controversial ending uh Juventus has not played well in Serie A I mean there's been a hangover effect so the lead has gone from six points to one point uh, in that period, that space of time between um, that match at the Bernabeu, that controversial ending, and today. So, um, with this Juve recover, the, uh, who knows? Or have they just given up because of um, that? That, And you can see how emotionally that would, that would cripple a team, even a veteran team like Juventus. All right, TV streaming news, Kartik. So, uh, I did mention that Serie A is one of those title races going down to the wire. The other title race that's going down to the wire... Uh, with playoff spots open and uh, the set second automatic uh, promotion spot is the championship in England, which is going down, which is really entertaining. So, Kartik, I haven't subscribed to ESPN Plus yet. I, I know you have done. Uh, what's been your impressions thus far? First off, uh, on that subject, Chris, I'm rediscovering every day how many Fulham fans there are in this country. It's amazing. I mean, uh, Saturday I go to um, this Palm Beach inter- this uh, supporters match, and everybody uh, there is keeping track of the Cardiff score. And then I find out the entire genesis of that club and the people who've been involved was because they were all Fulham fans. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and they all met each other through watching Fulham games, um, which is a story that maybe newer fans to the game in this country don't understand with the genesis of a lot of people's interest in football or English football in this country a decade ago or five years ago was Fulham. Uh, because of the American influence, but um, uh, and obviously Shah Khan is making some news now that we'll talk about another time. But um, ESPN Plus, so I, I went ahead and subscribed because I was having ESPN um, ESPN uh, FC withdrawal. I, I went a couple of days without the show. I, it was difficult for me, and then uh, realized that I wasn't going to get to see the, the amount of MLS or the championship I normally watched. Uh, so. Subscribed. I thought it was um, <laughs> it's, it's it's complicated, right? Um, it was difficult for me to actually subscribe, find where to subscribe first, okay, and get get a proper link to subscribe. Then once I did, because I had signed up, I had once been an ESPN Insider member with my current email address. Now I could have I guess signed up under a new email address, but then you'll forget the password, all of that stuff. I had to go through this whole rigmarole to reset my password, um, find my username, which was different than I thought it would be because it had been set up 15 years ago when I used to be an insider subscriber and uh, continued being an ESPN insider subscriber while it was useful for like three or four years. 
Um, so that was all very complicated. Then once I signed up, where do you actually watch the matches? What is the interface to watch the matches? Um, I thought it was watch ESPN. Uh, no, it wasn't the watch ESPN app. I, I was just giving me ESPN three stuff. Maybe it's somewhere hidden there, but I couldn't find it. So I downloaded the ESPN app, which I didn't have on any of my mobile devices, honestly, because it's just to me, it was just like. I, I don't need it. It's, it's non-soccer stuff mostly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have an ESPN FC app that gives me all the, all the soccer news, right. Their, their soccer app. So I download that. And then there is a tab which says watch. And then when you hit watch, there's an ESPN plus tab. So then you go to the ESPN plus tab. Once you go to the ESPN plus tab, it's very easy to find ESPN FC every day. That's at the top. They have, you know, their featured shows, which are you know, the usual things, PTI, uh, that Dan Levitard show, a hockey show, and NFC. So you find it every day. Uh, no problem. It's at the very top of the page. MLS stuff, you kind of can find easily if you scroll down because there's a whole tab that says, or a whole section that says MLS Live, and it's got the most recent MLS streams or the streams that are coming up. Now, this is a problem, though. They don't have a thing for you to set a reminder. So, for example, if you subscribe to NBC Sports Gold, or even in the past with ESPN3, if I'm not mistaken, you could set a, you could say, hey, shoot me a text or an email, remind me about this match. They don't have that yet with ESPN+. Plus. So I'm finding MLS games and thinking, okay, I, I got to remember to watch this but like that kansas city game was talking about earlier um thankfully i remembered that but i might not have um because there's no way to 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 to, to, to click for a reminder um finding championship and usl matches the other two uh, uh Football-related items right now. I want to use the ESPN Plus service for are incredibly difficult. You almost have to. You either have to get really lucky and jump on the app when those games are going live. Jump on ESPN Plus when those games are on live, and they'll be at the top. Like what's going on now, or if you have to find an archive, you have to know the specific teams you're looking for. Um, I assume because I don't know that this thing was rolled out with quite the, the care and vetting that normally we get from, from Disney products, ESPN products. Uh, I, I assume this will evolve as time goes on, Chris, but right now it's, um, it's a bit of good and a bit of bad. Um, I've also been playing around with the Bleacher Report live, but there's really nothing on there yet. Um, but they've, they've actually launched for those who don't know, and you can get the app, you can go through all of that now, but, um, they're not going to charge you, I believe until June or July for that. Right, exactly. Yeah, so the ESPN Plus, I haven't signed up for it yet. Um, reason being is just I've got so much soccer going on right now. I just don't have time to watch the championship. But once the, the Premier League wraps up uh, and then going into the championship playoffs, I'm sure I'll, I'll sign up for, for it then. I don't really have any interest in USL and I don't have any interest in kind of the, the regional local feeds of the MLS teams. So um, unless they add something in the summer, um, I'll probably hold off on, on doing it. I'm not, I'm not sure. I guess the jury's still out on that, but but that's good feedback, Carl, taking good, some good first impressions. Well, but when I talk to people, Chris, you, know, you make a very strong point. People want to know, because we've reported on it, you've reported on it previously, uh, the FA Cup Serie A thing. I've talked to a few people who say they'll wait until that happens to sign up, and if that happens, they will sign up because they want the FA Cup, uh, the, the non-TV FA Cup matches, and they want um, the... Um, they want uh, Serie A. 
Yeah, which I think would be a perfect fit for ESPN Plus. Uh, the challenge is, is that there's there's other streaming providers too that want to get those rights. So, television for the but those two properties isn't a uh, kind of a a big priority for a lot of these TV companies. But the streaming companies want it because they know that there's there's some gold there uh, in their hills. So, moving on, Kartik, um, coming up uh, coming up on Netflix in 2018. We don't know exactly when, but there's a six part British series called The English Game which looks at the invention of soccer. It's written by the creators of Downton Abbey. So it should be good. Um, and that sounds really intriguing. This is something I, I would love love to watch. And hopefully they go into the archives and show us a lot, a lot about the history that uh, would really kind of uh, educate and entertain us about how this game started in, in the first place. It's funny. I, I actually have been thinking at some point, and it's so busy, I just don't have time, but I should reread David Goldblatt's uh, The Ball is Round, which he wrote, I think, about 12 years ago, because even as I'm having discussions with South Americans about uh, how the game was exported by British merchants to Uruguay and why Uruguay was so good in the early days of South American football and Argentina, I, I'm realizing I need to reread that book. So this, is, this will be right up my alley. Yeah, I, I laugh only because The Ball is Round is such a... I mean, it's so detailed. It's such a huge book. It's like I would need a, a summer, an entire summer of yeah. nothing to do, no World Cups, no soccer, uh, to really kind of uh, dig my teeth into it and read it. It, it is a fascinating read, but uh, hopefully the, the documentary series will be something uh, just as good as that. Uh, moving on. So there was a, uh, a report that uh, WorldSoccerTalk.com released this week which goes into a lot of detail for the TV ratings and TV viewership numbers for 2017. So we had uh, Stefan Zemanski, uh, the author of Soconomics, or co-author, uh, go ahead and, and actually analyze the data. So he looked at all the leagues in the United States uh, on U.S. Te- television from Serie A to Major League Soccer, La Liga, Premier League, etc., and looked at uh, how much of the, the actual viewing, uh, what, what percentage went to each uh, different league. And uh, no surprises, Liga MX uh, is the most watched, uh, most viewed uh, soccer league in the United States. Part of it is the accessibility, how, how easy it is uh, for fans to watch the league, but also in terms of the numbers, the sheer numbers of people that, that, that do watch that league. What the numbers did show is that Major League Soccer represents 6% of all soccer viewing of uh, soccer in the United States on, on U.S. television. Last year, it was 7%. Uh, so it's dropped a little bit, but uh, 6%. So that, that puts things into context when people talk about uh, soccer in general. That, that when you're talking about Major League Soccer, that's just 6% of the viewing uh, of soccer in the United States. I think uh, the Premier League, I think, was, was about 29%, if I remember correctly, and um, the uh, Liga Amec is a lot more. But you've got so many different leagues from around the world that adds up to that 100%, but MLS is 6%. Kartik, let's move on to some news uh, from FIFA this week, which could have some big implications uh, on the world of soccer and, and, and television too. Yeah, the World Club Cup has been kind of this bastard stepchild of uh, the football world, but might get an infusion. Uh, Gianni Infantino, uh, uh, FIFA president, has called a rare emergency meeting amidst a $25 
billion dollar offer related to uh, an expansion, a potential expansion of the World Club Cup. My understanding from talking to sources is that uh, Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer are opposed to this. I'm trying to do some more reporting to attribute the motive for that. But that's uh, that's what I'm hearing. Uh, I'm also hearing that there's a lot of momentum for it from some other uh, federations uh, in this region and in, in the CONCACAF region. So uh, that's a lot of money. Now, um, it's, it, it would, again, further cluster the international football calendar and the club football calendar. So uh, keep an eye on this space. This is a, potentially a huge story that's uh, developing. Yeah, one of the things they're looking at doing or, or suggesting is a Nations League for club teams. So you'd have the best teams from around the world playing in, in a competitive league structure, uh, also a summer tournament. So a lot of these things would definitely shake up the, the world of soccer in terms of uh, – the already existing tournaments and, and competitions we have ar- around the world. Uh, the other thing, too, is the investors. Uh, nobody knows who the investors are. However, sources reveal that uh, they believe that uh, a lot of the money is from uh, the Middle East and also from, I think, SoftBank in Japan. So there's um, some questions about who's actually driving this this story. Who's the one that's that's actually the investors that have spoken to Infantino and trying to convince him to uh, take the 25 million a uh, 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 billion dollars, sorry, uh, and uh, have FIFA take that and, and give the rights over to this conglomeration, whatever it is, to actually run these tournaments or run, run these competitions. Last but not least, Kartik, some big news, actually. This is breaking news, is that uh, Bleacher Report Live, which is the the new streaming service, which you just mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, they've added the Scottish uh, Premiership to their list of um, games that they show. So, of course, starting this uh, summer, they'll have uh, the Champions League and Europa League. And very quietly, uh, they've gone ahead and added the Scottish Premiership. Now, for, for the remaining part of this season, we'll have to wait and see about next season. But uh, for fans of Scottish football, there's finally a place, not every single game, but there's going to be uh, finally a place for some of those games to be shown uh, free of charge to soccer fans in the U.S. All right, moving on to TV ratings, Kartik. Um, some big numbers and actually some disappointing numbers, too. So the big number that came out from this past weekend was uh, 804,000 for Manchester United against Spurs, the FA Cup semifinal. Uh, this was on Fox and Fox supporters uh, combined. Uh, the number m- could have been much greater uh, if it had not been preempted by the Barbara Bush funeral, which was shown um, in different parts of the country, depending on your, your local Fox. Um, so 804,000 for that. Uh, the game, the Man City Swansea game was 492,000 on NBCSN and Telemundo. Uh, and then you had everything else. Um, you had, for example, uh, Barcelona against Valencia on BN Sports uh, en Espanol had 229,000 viewers. Uh, New York Red Bulls against Chicago on Univision on Saturday had uh, 281,000 Um in some ways, probably one of the most newsworthy numbers is um, Portland against New York City FC on FS1 on Sunday. Uh, that one had just 152,000 viewers. Uh, again, Kartik, here we go again. It's it's uh, an away game for NYC FC. You would expect the New York metropolitan area to be watching this game in numbers and to have kind of a nationwide interest in this game. Portland, I mean, having a, a tough t- start to the season, but still an attractive side playing against NYCFC and yet again uh, Fox is suffering some from some uh, poor numbers there. 
Yeah, and NYCFC is is good. So uh, by all standards, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I get the impression that there are a lot of fans that just want to watch Toronto now and don't want to watch anywhere Atlanta and don't want to watch anyone else in MLS. So MLS, in spite of uh, all their talk about parity and, and 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 people like Alexi Lawless touting the parity of the league, is becoming a very it's becoming like any other league where there are there are two or three sides people want to watch and they don't care about the rest and. Um, Quite honestly, when Atlanta's on, we see higher ratings. I mean, it's just uh, it, it, that's just a natural thing that I think is going to progress through the next few years. They're not going to be able to stop that. All right, TV. Actually, no, we've, done, we've done the TV streaming news. Now we move on to listener mailbag. Uh, first up is Dave Brunk, and he sent this in through e- email. He says, good morning, fellas. Really enjoyed this week's pod. Uh, thanks for your work on it. A few comments. I couldn't agree more about Team USA fans switching um, – uh, allegiances to root for Mexico this summer. I'm not surprised one bit. That's the stance. The entertainer Lalas is talking. Uh, it's ridiculous to, to me to think everyone would put their allegiances aside to root for the arch rival. Goes to show that Fox and their talent either don't get it or don't care for anything but the almighty dollar. Goal zone highlighting Man City's premiership um, championship was rather dull between the onslaught of commercials, the tired studio host. And I felt somewhat NBC being unprepared for the possibility of West Brom winning. The whole show was unimpressive. Uh, last but not least, I'm still undecided on ESPN+. Plus. I'm thinking of pulling the trigger on the, on the trial so I can watch the uh, championship, then go from there. And yes, thank God for Andy Carroll. Uh, come on, you, you irons. All the best. Next up is Walt Whitman. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, Walt Waltman. Sorry, uh, wow, like Walt Whitman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, posted a comment on World Soccer Talk. He says, uh, "Fair warning to all regarding ESPN Plus." He says, "Okay, a neat event, and this is a, as good a place as any." I'm a New York, a New England Revolution supporter who lives 250 miles away from Foxborough, Massachusetts, in northern Vermont, to be precise. I was a happy MLS Live subscriber in years past. I understand the reason for a blackout policy and never complained, because while I technically live in the New England region, although nearly four hours away from Gillette by car, I could count on being able to see Revs games on MLS Live if A, they were playing on the road, and B, the match was not being carried live on one of the national networks, which Rev games rarely are. So when MLS Live got consumed by the Disney tsunami and landed on ESPN+, I dutifully signed up for a subscription, a subscription I now will be cancelling when the free trial period is over. I could not understand why uh, the game against Columbus showed in my ESPN Plus account as blacked out when the game is being played in Ohio and not being broadcast on a national network. Well, I was just told by a customer service rep at ESPN Plus that on their service, I will be blacked out of every New York at New England Rebs game, regardless of where they're playing or who's carrying the live broadcast. And I will not be able to watch any Rebs games, even as a replay until 48 hours after the game has been played. Needless to say, this policy is completely absurd. I do not have a cable TV service and was perfectly willing to pay $5 a month for ESPN Plus, provided things were running in a reasonable fashion, like they used to be on, uh, on MLS Live. But this blackout policy is bullshit. He says, the league and ESPN Plus have made a horrible mistake setting the service up like this. I'm not paying a dime to watch the soccer match I can't see until 48 hours after it's been played. So I posted this Kartik on um, 
on social media to see, actually it was to Jonathan Tannenwald at uh, the Philly Inquirer to see, get his feedback. And he said, yep, yeah, it's true. He said that, uh, that the games, the Revs games in that area are shown on the local NBC station. So, NBC Boston, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, Boston. so in this example, which I'm sure there's other examples in the United States, even though he's willing to – he lives four hours away from the area, even though he's willing to pay to watch these games, and because he doesn't have cable, he's, he's cut out of it completely. And that's the thing about ESPN Plus is that uh, it had been positioned as a cord-cutting solution, and it really isn't. It's really no. more of a kind of an add-on uh, to existing cable services, really, you, you don't have to have cable, but if you do have cable, at least you get to see more games. But yeah, I don't know. I feel for uh, Walt. Uh, this is a really, I mean, that, that's that, that's the type of thing that makes you lose fans, lose lose viewers. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm actually stunned to hear this. Uh, I thought again, it was being positioned as a, a service for cord cutters. So if you don't have access to NBC Sports Boston, so the Comcast Regional Sport Network there that that has the Reds rights, uh, this is a way of getting them via the MLS Live package, which is what MLS Live was for 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 him and for so many other fans. Uh, boy, I, I <laughs> yeah. this is something they're going to need to fix, or they're going to lose people. Yeah, and Major League Soccer in general, I think it's way too complicated to figure out how to watch all the games anyway. It's such a regional setup. It all depends where you live. So if you say, okay, nationally, here's the policy, here's here's how you can watch games. Okay, we can only watch certain games and the, the others you can't because you have to then subscribe to ESPN+. Plus. But then depending on where you live and what local TV stations have the rights to those games or streaming companies have the rights to this game, it's, it's complicated. It's way more complicated than it should be. It's, it's just a mess. Next up is Haddis uh, through email. And Haddis says, I just have a general comment about VAR. I believe in VAR. We should embrace technology and use it to enhance and improve the game. However, we should not let um, perfect be the enemy of good. Bringing back teams from breaks to award penalty should not be acceptable. FIFA should get it sacked together and develop a clear policy and procedure on VAR use and implementation. Having said this, I have full confidence that Pierluigi Colina will do a great job in Russia. All of us who grew up watching his refereeing, his bald head and big scary eyes, with all due respect, should go should be hopeful that VAR will be fair. On a different note, those people who say that Americans will or should support Mexico and El Tri have no clue about the sport. Considering the soccer uh, rivalry between U.S. and Mexico, I don't believe a U.S. supporter will root for Mexico unless he or she has some ties, as mentioned by Kartik in the previous podcast. These people should understand that it's much easier to change your job, break up with your girlfriend or boyfriend, or even get a divorce with your wife or husband than supporting a rival club, especially a rival national team. And I completely agree there, Haddis. Last but not least, yeah. uh, Ray Pyle uh, posted this on Twitter. He says, uh, any thoughts on Fubo TV not having True TV, TBS, TNT, or Headline News who, give, who, who will have all the rights to the Champions League next season? No longer the best uh, cord-cutting option for soccer now? Question mark. Well, it's, it's more complicated than that, unfortunately. And, and, and probably this next season is going to be the first time that cord cutters are going to really need more than one streaming service in order to, to get everything. And the challenge is, is that with the Champions League is that not all the games are going to be on True TV, TBS, TNT, or, or Headline News. Some of those games are going to be on streaming. Uh, and the Europa League, all the games are going to be streaming except for the final. 
So while Fubo, just as Sling TV, DirecTV now, um, and, and others um, don't necessarily have all the channels that you, you'd want for soccer, you kind of have to pick and choose and figure out, okay, do I need Fubo for my Premier League and for um, La Liga and, and other leagues and then, and then pick up uh, Bleacher Report Live for the Champions League? It all, it all comes down to what, what you want. Uh, but it's a good question, Ray, and I appreciate uh, the feedback. Now, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as on facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on the mothership, the website uh, that started this all, and that's at worldsoccertalk.com. All right, Kartik, it's been a big show, a lot to talk about, a lot of information, a lot of news, some breaking stories, and a lot of analysis. I've enjoyed it. I uh, hope you two uh, listeners have also. And Kartik, so where can listeners find you on Twitter if you want to stay updated on what, what you're doing? Uh, my Twitter handle is KKFLA737. All right, when mine is uh, at World Soccer Talk. All right, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and worldsoccertalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review. And Kartik, what should they do this weekend? Enjoy your football. Enjoy your football.